we're going to start a brand new series. We're starting a brand new series this weekend. It's called Therapy Sessions. And in this series, it's a series for people who are imperfect. Uh, people who go through all kinds of, of issues, people working through life transition, through anxiety, depression, childhood trauma, marriage issues. So if you're perfect, go ahead. You can just get up and leave now if you're perfect because uh, this is for imperfect people. Here at Thorn Creek Church, we recognize nobody has it all together. None of us have it all together. And we all need the grace of God. We all need God to move in our hearts and so we're going to spend the next six weeks looking at these various issues and how God can move in our lives, how he can bring healing, how he can bring reconciliation, um, because Jesus is our wonderful counselor. He's our Prince of Peace. He's our almighty God. And so we turn to him and look to him through these issues that we have in our lives. So we're going to kick off this uh, series, this message today. I'm going to pray for the message, and then we'll jump right on in. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for meeting with us right here in this place, God. We sense your spirit. We know you're moving. And God, we want to just uh, see you continue to move. Um, God, we give this time to you as an act of worship as we read your word and we see what you have for each and every one of us, God. I pray that your, uh, your hand would be over our kids' ministry, our youth ministry, uh, the ministry that's happening in this room, God. And, and would you just have your way? Maybe you're here today and you need to hear a word from God. Would you just say this prayer? Say, Lord, I give you full permission to, to move in my heart. God, speak to me. I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you today. God, I lift up Pastor Reuben and his family, and I just pray your hand of blessing upon them, your hand of protection on them as they travel to and from their vacation. God, uh, be with them and give them good rest. Draw them closer together. God, we give you this time and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, I, I love living in Colorado and seeing all the seasons. Uh, I grew up in my teens in uh, Glendale, Arizona. It's the North Phoenix area. And in, in, in that area, there's only two seasons. There's summer and February. Uh, but in Colorado, we get all four seasons, which is really, really amazing. And I, I, I love it. I love seeing springtime and the, the leaves getting their, or the, the leaves, the trees getting their leaves and all the green starting to happen. And, and you see life and you see birth and, and you see this transformation that happens out of, out of the dead of winter. And then summertime, I love the, the, the extra long days and, and going fishing and being out in, in, in nature. And, and even at the, the end of summer, where it's kind of the dog days of summer, it's the hottest it is, and it's dry, and you start seeing things kind of turn brown, you recognize, like, here comes fall, and that first, you know, fall-feeling day where it's a little chilly in the morning, and I, I love that as you see the leaves change colors into yellows and reds, and, and you get to experience all of that, and then, and then winter comes, and we finally get some snow, hopefully, and uh, we, we enjoy that, and we get some of our kind of, like, you know, dreary days that we get in Colorado, and I, I love those days because I like to just sit inside and maybe have some soup or some chili and just stay warm. I, I, I love every single season, and I love watching us go through those seasons. It's, it's actually the transition that I probably love the most. When you see it go from one to the other, you see it transform before your eyes. Like, it, it's winter, and then all of a sudden there's green things, and spring comes, and I just absolutely love how God has created all of creation. And we see these, these seasons change, and, and that's how God works. God works in seasons. 
He's created the natural world to have seasons, to have, you know, cold times and hot times, to ebb and to flow. And, and, and God works in our lives like that, too. We, we can expect to know that we're going we're gonna to go through different seasons of life, whether that's what age we're at, going from childhood to adolescence or into adulthood, or, or it's, it's how it works in our relationships. We go from, from having a friend to, to dating to getting married, or, or even with our kids, we, we, we become parents and we raise our kids, and then eventually they leave, and we become these empty nesters. There's all these seasons in our life that God works in. And we see this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And so within these different seasons in our lives, there is also a need to transition, to move along with those changes that happen. And as we experience these new stages of life, God can grow us and he can develop us. And so today's message title is Navigating Life Transitions. We're going to be looking at what does it look like to respond to the changes that happen in our life and to transition, to move from, from where God has us to where God wants us to be, where we go from, from who I used to be to who I am today to who God wants me to be tomorrow. You see, change is inevitable. It's going to happen. It's, it's the only constant that we really have, is that things are going to change. And so we have to, we have to look at what does it mean to, to follow God through those changes and those transitions. Now, the first thing I want to recognize, I want to point out that, that change and transition are not the same thing. See, change is external. It happens to us. It happens outside of us. But transition, that's an internal thing. Transition is the response to the change. I like how Jennifer Ward put it. She says, change is the event, a moment in time. You move into a new home, you leave a job, you become a parent. Transition is the process that unfolds before, during, and after the change event. Transition affects us on physical, emotional, and psychological levels. And in this process, we are transformed. See, change can be very stressful. Uh, change can, can, can rock our world a little bit, if you will. Uh, it, can, it can lead to fear. It can lead to anxiety or depression. Change happens, and, and we have to respond to it, and, it, and it can cause a lot of stress. I was doing some reading on the various different kinds of change that we can experience and, and how that affects us from a level of, of stress in our life. And I found this thing. It's called the Social Readjustment Rating Scale. This was developed by a couple PhDs from Dartmouth in 1967. And I thought about it, and as I looked at it, I was like, oh, 1967, this is pretty old. But as I read through these changes, I recognized, like, no, this is, this is pretty common regardless of the time. And, and they found that there are these top 10 life-changing stressors that we can go through. Uh, number one is the death of a spouse. Number two is divorce, and then marital separation, being incarcerated, death of a close family member. Number six, major personal, personal injury or illness. Marriage, uh, eight, being fired or laid off from work. Number nine, marital reconciliation. And 10, retirement. Top 10 
stressors, stress, uh, life-changing stresses that you can go through. And then the, the, this list actually goes on for another 33 more. And what they do is they actually uh, associate points to each of these life-change events, kind of these, these life-change units. And you're supposed to kind of go through it, and you read through, and you say, okay, if, this is, if I've experienced this within the last year, or I expect to experience it in the near future, then you kind of mark it off, and you start adding all of those up. And what they found is that, that, that they have these certain scales that at a certain point level, your chances of having physical problems, physical ailments because of the stress and the change in your life goes up. So if you're like at 300 or higher, you have an 80% chance of, of experiencing illness due to all the stress and the change in your life. So me and a couple other staff members went through this, and you know I scored like a 250, so I felt pretty good. And, and then Avery, he scored like a 287. So pray for Avery, because he's really close to that 300 mark. <laughs> he's a young guy. He's going through a lot. But uh, <laughs> one, one of the funniest parts uh, was uh, that uh, it was, uh, here, let me find this again. Oh, everything scrolled. A funny one was that there's Christmas is approaching. That was a stressor. And I thought it was funny because, like, if this has happened to you within the last year, well, you know, Christmas happens every year, so everybody's going to say yes. They only gave it 12 points, though. If you're in ministry, it's like 45 points when, when Christmas is coming. So pray for us as well, because uh, that starts in July for us. <laughs> but change happens to you, and transition is how you live through that change, how you live with that change, how you adapt life that now that this change has happened. And, and this is very important to recognize because it is possible to experience change in your life, but not transition. I want you to hear that. It's possible to experience change in your life, but not transition. It's possible to age into adulthood, but still be immature. My wife would say I probably fall into this camp. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's possible to lose a loved one, um, but continue to mourn and grieve every single day as if it happened just this day. It's possible to get a medical diagnosis, but not change your habits and, and do things to, to better your health. It's possible to start a relationship with a girlfriend or a boyfriend, but remain self-centered and only caring about yourself. It's possible to become a parent but then see the child as a burden. It's possible to lose your job and spiral into depression because your identity was wrapped up in that position instead of moving on and finding what God has for you. See, it's possible to experience change in your life, but not transition. It's possible to, to, to linger in that place and, 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 and be, be lost, be, be anxious, be fearful, to be full of hate, to, to be full of all of those things, it's possible. So it's important that we learn how to transition through those changes in our life, that we, that we recognize that God has something for us, that he can move in us because, because it requires faith, it requires trust in God, it requires perseverance to, to accept that change and move through it into transition. The word transition comes from the, the root word transit, which means a voyage from one place to another. We have to go from, from life before that change to life after that change. Now, it's not always a bad change. Sometimes we choose to maybe change jobs because it's a good upward movement. But that's still change. And we have to, we have to recognize that, that we're different from before to after. In his book, Managing Transitions, author William Bridges, who's an expert on this topic, describes that there's three phrases to transition. There's the departure, the point 
when we leave a known place by choice or circumstance that may leave us feeling sad or relieved or even fearful. Disorientation, the experience of wandering, breaking connections with what we know, what, which may cause us to feel lost, stuck, or unsettled. And finally, destination, the point where we arrive at the new normal and may experience a combination of relief, excitement, and maybe new fears, new things that happen. What can happen is that we can get caught in that disorientation phase where the change has happened, but we're not transitioning. And so we get stuck and we wonder, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing this to happen in my life? God, what can, how is it even possible for me to get out of this and, and move on with my life? Maybe you're here today and you feel stuck in a transition. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've recognized that, that, that this change has happened in your life. You, you're moving from, from one place to another, but you don't see light at the end of the tunnel. I want you to know that God has a word for you that God has hope for you, that God is with you, that God will carry you through, that God can navigate you through this transition, through this change in your life. You are not alone. God is with you. Uh, today, I want to look at the book of Joshua. It's the sixth book in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, and it talks about the Israelites as they enter into the promised land. So I'll catch you up a little bit. If you don't know who the Israelites are, these are a group of people that God chose to be his people. And they were enslaved in Egypt. And they, they cried out to God. They said, God, deliver us. And so God takes this man, Moses, and he says, I'm going to use you to free my people. And he sends Moses to Pharaoh. And God does all these different plagues and these miracles. And finally, the Egyptians let the Israelites go. In fact, they kick them out. They say, get out of our country because we're tired of all these plagues and all of this horrible stuff that happens. And so they kick them out and they go. And God takes them then to to the promised land, but he doesn't take them directly there. He knows that if he goes directly to the promised land from point A to point B, they're too fearful. They're not going to be able to make it. So he kind of wanders them around a little bit. They end up at Mount Sinai and God appears there on a mountain and he gives them the law and explains kind of like, hey, here's who I am. I am your God. And here are all the, there's the 10 commandments and all of these things. And so the people go, okay, good. And they start following. And so they head to the promised land from there. They get there and they send these spies in and the spies go into the promised land and they come back and they say, um, guys, there's giants in the promised land. There are nations that we can't defeat. Uh, we can't go in there. There's no way we can do it. But God through Moses tells them, no, you need to. And they, they just refuse. So they disobey God. They don't believe that God can go before them and give them deliverance. And so because of their disobedience, they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. God tells them, you're going to wander there. And everybody who disobeyed, that whole entire generation who said, no, we can't go in. No, God can't do this for us, is going to die off. And there will be a new generation that goes in. And that's where we pick up in Joshua. This new generation has come. All of the old people have died. And, and they're sitting at the edge of the promised land. And God is ready to bring them in using Joshua. And so we pick up here in chapter 3. It says, early in the morning, Joshua... And all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Say that with me. Follow it. There we go. Then you will know which way to go 
since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. See, the Israelites have come up to the edge, right here to this, this river, the Jordan River, and, and this is the day, this is the change that's going to happen. This is what they've been looking forward to. There's, there's all kinds of anticipation and excitement, and there's fear, and there's uncertainty, and there's doubt, and all of these emotions going on as this change appears, and, and, the, and the, these leaders tell them, you have not go, gone this way before. You've never been this way before. You, you don't know where you're going, so you have to follow God. And I think this is kind of the crux of all of our emotions when we experience a change in our life, when we experience this life transformation. The challenge is that we've never gone this way before. We've, 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 we've never experienced this before. There's many major life changes that can happen in our life that we can experience multiple times. But that first time is the scariest. That first time is full of uncertainty. That first time is where you're like, I don't even know what to do. We have all of these first time events that can happen in our life and they can be earth shaking. They can rock us to our core. Maybe it's the first time that you're fired or the first time that you become a parent. Even when you have a second child, that's the first time you've had two kids. It's a whole different game. The first time you move out of your parents' house. The first time you, you break up with a loved one. The first time you, you move to a new city. The first time you drive on your own. The first time someone close to you dies. The first time you experience a natural disaster. The first time you're broke. Not just like, I don't have any money today, but like you're broke. You have no money and no sight of money. The first time you argue with your best friend. Or maybe the first time you're solely responsible for your food and you realize that your mom was right. We have food at home. <laughs> that first time you say something that sounds like your parent. You go, ah, how did I become my dad? I don't know. Uh, this is probably the most fearful part of all of our changes is that we haven't experienced it before. It is the first time and you've never gone this way before. Just as the Israelites, they didn't know how to get into the land. They didn't know what they were going to do. They just know God says to go and so we're supposed to go. And the key thing there is that the, the, the leaders told them, they said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, when you see God, that was God, the presence of God was there at that Ark of the Covenant. When you see that move, then follow God. That's how you'll know where to go. So I want you to hear this. Let God be your navigator, even when it doesn't make sense. See, because there's this huge river in front of them. It doesn't make sense. It's not a river they can easily cross, but as soon as that thing gets up and they're moving and they're going towards the river, even though they don't know where they're going, they're going to follow God because God is their navigator. They're allowing God to show them the way, and that's what we have to do. We have to seek after God and say, God, how do you want me to get through this? Navigate for me, God. God, be my Google Maps. I love Google. I, I love technology, and I, I really love Google and Android and all that fun stuff, and I think they're a great company, but I kind of have a love-hate relationship with Google Maps because, you know, sometimes I have to, I, I, I'm going somewhere, and I know the general area, like let's say I'm going downtown. I know how to get downtown, but I don't know the exact how to get to one office place, so I put the destination in my Google Maps, and it starts showing me the route, and I'm like, that's not how you go downtown, right? It doesn't make sense. And so then I, I go, well, you know what? I'm smarter than this thing. And I go my own route. And then I find out it was trying to keep me out of traffic or keep me out of road construction or something like that. And I went the wrong way because I didn't trust that sometimes the direct path is not the, the right path. 
that sometimes it doesn't make sense the direction that we have to go. That's how God will work in our lives oftentimes. He doesn't necessarily take us straight from point A to point B because, because he knows that if we do that, there will be challenges in the way. There will be things that we're not ready for. So let God be your navigator even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's confusing. There's a, a trust that we have to put into God. When the life change happens and the stress is weighing down on us and we're not sure what's going to happen and it's the first time we've gone through this, like the one thing you can trust in, the one person you can trust in is Jesus, that he is going to take you on the right path to transition through that change. You trust in God to take you through your situation. It continues on in verse 5. It says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Say amazing things. Amazing things. God is going to do amazing things. Consecrate. He says, consecrate yourselves. This word, consecrate, it means to make sacred, to dedicate to God, to separate yourself to God. He says, consecrate yourselves. Give yourself completely to the Lord and surrender your, your will to God's will in your life. Whatever your life change that's happening, whatever your life circumstance that you're going through, whatever transition period you're in, whatever season you are in, the best thing you can do is consecrate yourself to the Lord. Give yourself to the Lord because then you will see the amazing things that he is going to do. You can expect it. It's kind of like, like you can take that check to the bank. Like God is going to do amazing things among you. But you must consecrate. You must give yourself completely to God. There's a surrender that happens. And you can expect to see amazing things. I love this word expect. It reminded me of Psalm 5, verse 3. It says, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. I wait expectantly. That, the, the Hebrew term that gets uh, translated to wait expectantly, it means to keep watch or to watch closely. It's like when we're in the middle of the, the stress and the change and, and the craziness and the, the I don't know how I'm going to get through this, we can, we can sit there but, and go, but God, I'm going to watch for what you're doing. God, I'm going I'm to wait and I'm going to keep my eyes open because you're going to be moving you're going to be doing amazing things. God, I am ready to see it. I'm not going to be blind. I'm not going to be naive. I'm not going to get caught up in my own thing, but I'm going to watch for what God wants to do. I shared the last time that, that I preached, I shared about the, the story and the, the things that, that me and my family went through as, as my wife lost her job and we went through all kinds of things. And and it was, it, it was a beautiful time. I mean, it, it wasn't at the time, but it became a beautiful thing. And we saw God's faithfulness in, in his provision and stuff. But the more I reflect on that, the more I reflect on that part of our lives, I recognize that like as we surrendered ourselves to God, uh, he took us through all kinds of things that we could not have done had that major change not happened. Had, had she still had her job, there would have been all these other kinds of challenges that we would have never really been able to get through. Because of, of Patty's availability, we were able to deal with some issues that our kids were going through. And at the time, it didn't seem fair. It was like one thing stacked on top of another thing stacked on top of another thing. But when I look back, I see God's grace. And I go, you know what, God, you navigated that pretty well. Way better than I ever could have. God was our navigator. We gave ourselves to him. 
When changes come into your life, always give yourself to the Lord first and then ask, God, what do you want to do here? What are you doing here? And then watch, wait expectantly. Ask God, what do you want to do in our marriage? God, what do you want to do in this relationship? God, what do you want to do in this job? I'm here for you. I surrender completely. I trust in you. It's how we navigate through these changes, is we put our trust in Jesus. Let's continue on there, right at the edge of the river. In verse 14, it says, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now, the Jordan is at a flood stage during, all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away in a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Here's the miracle. Here it is. The river was at flood stage. What does this mean? Well, the Jordan River could have been anywhere between 60 to 100 feet wide, depending on how big this flood stage was. And it could be anywhere from 10 to 17 feet deep. And the current was running at such a speed that, that, that like, you could not cross. This was uh, uh, not navigable for them. This was not something they could just float across. It's not something they could just walk in and start kind of trying to swim. They couldn't get their camels to take them across. This was an impossible journey to cross this river that was at flood stage. Yet God goes before them and stops the river. He heaps it up a city away so that they can cross in, on dry ground. Now, did you see, though, how God did this? He waited for them to be obedient. He waited for those priests to step into the water. He could have just stopped the water. They could have just like woken up and it was dry ground and they're like, wow, look at this miracle. And they would walk through. It still would have been a miracle. But God waited for their obedience. In this change that was going to happen, in this, this life moment for them as they were going to cross now into the promised land, everything that had been promised for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, God says, go step into the water. I want you to hear this. God moves in the impossible through obedience. Through obedience. It wasn't until they actually stepped into that water that God moved. It reminded me of a time... Uh, <laughs> In uh, 2015, I, was, uh, I worked at a, a large IT corporation, and I was laid off. And uh, I was also working part-time here at the church. And, uh, and I, I, we saw that moment and how God was moving, and we go, this is a blessing. And it was, you know, it was, it was a faith step that we took. I said, okay, I'm not going to go find another job. Uh, the church couldn't take me on at full time at that point, but, but we said, you know what, we're going to walk by faith, and we think that that's going to open up. And, and the Lord did move like that. And he, 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 he did, and he offered, and so I had a full-time position that was going to start, and we looked at everything, and we looked at our finances, and the market was really good for houses, and we're like, you know what, I think, you know, we don't know what the future's going to hold, but we probably need to sell our house. 
it'd probably be wiser for us to kind of bank some of this equity and, and take care of ourselves because we don't know what it's going to look like. like. Like the income that we have is going to get cut and we don't know when the next job is going to come for, for Patty and all that. kind. Of, so, we, like, so we put our house on the market. And it was really weird because everybody else during that time, when they put their house on the market, they would have an open house on the weekend. Like hundreds of people would flock there. They'd get 30 offers and they'd sell the house. And we put our house on the market and we had an open weekend and like one couple came. That was it. And I was like, what's going on? And we were like, okay. And, and, and later that, that, like that Monday evening, that couple put, a, put an offer on our, on our house. And so we went under contract. And we're like, okay, well, God, this is how you're moving. That's fine. It seems a little weird, but okay. And then as we sat through that and we're kind of waiting to go through all the processes and stuff, we recognize, we start kind of looking around and we're like, you know what? If we end up renting, we're probably going to spend more than we're paying in our mortgage now. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so we're like, well, I guess we better buy another house. And we start looking at another house. And we find one. We're excited. And we call our realtor and we say, you know what? We want to put an offer on that house. Let's do it. And she says, okay, I'm going to write it up and then I'll call you back. And she calls me back and she says, hey, uh, they just backed out of your contract. <laughs> and so we're like, what? I'm like, all right, well, let's do another open house weekend. You know, let's, let's see what happens. So we do another weekend. And nobody comes to look at our house. We spend all weekend out of our house so that people can come to our house. Nobody comes. And I'm just like, God, what are you doing? And the next Monday, I'm driving to the church. And God just, he speaks to me. He says, haven't I always been faithful to provide for you? And I said, yeah. He says, what makes you think I'm going to stop now? Like, you don't have to take drastic measures because things are changing. Like, I'm still God. I'm still going to be with you. And so we walked in obedience because we were scared. We were like, well, I don't know. It's possible that we wouldn't be able to pay our mortgage. But we're just going to go ahead. And God moved. And Patty found a job. And all these things. And we're still in our house. And we've been there for 20 years. And we love it. And we're so thankful. But God moved like that. And he, he rec like I, I recognized that it was like, I need to walk in obedience. It's not kind of like obedience to a point. Then the change happens. And then now I need to take things into my own hands. It's walk in obedience the entire time. God can do amazing things, impossible things when we walk in obedience. You know, when the marriage is on the rocks, obedience is just trusting in God and sticking around to work through the issues. Sometimes our obedience isn't a major act, this extravagant thing where we're like, here's this huge faith step. No, sometimes it's just being faithful. Sometimes it's just saying, I'm going to stick with you, God. If you've lost your job, obedience may just look like remaining faithful to God in your giving and trusting that he will provide. If you move to a new city, obedience is just merely finding a new church and connecting with community instead of isolating yourself and drifting from your faith. If you've been hurt by a friend, obedience is having love and compassion and striving to reconcile the relationship. Not just being okay with like, all right, unfriend. All right, block. Obedience is just walking in what God has called us to do, who he's called us to be. He's called us to be like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to have faith like Jesus, to trust in the Lord. See, here's the danger. At points of transition in our life, we are the most vulnerable. At points of transition in your life, we, you are most vulnerable. It's when you're going out of a season or into a new season, you're going in or out of a relationship or a job or a home or whatever's going on, this is where the enemy can cause distraction 
He can put obstacles in the way. He can discourage. And it's at these transition points that you are most vulnerable. And the enemy wants to use this situation to shake your faith. The challenge comes, the change comes, the stress comes, and the enemy says, see, God doesn't care about you. It's as if he could have told the Israelites, you, you go up to the river, well, the river's not open yet, you can't cross it, God doesn't care about you. They could have been one step away and not taken that step, and they would have never experienced the grace of God and gone into the promised land. It's in these situations where the enemy wants to convince you not to be obedient to God. You can be discouraged by these obstacles that appear in front of you, but you must remain faithful to God and obedient, and he will overcome those obstacles in your life. Let's continue on. Chapter 4, verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites." to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. God's word to the people was, don't forget this. See, we're fickle people. We just are. We, we have short memories, and when new changes and new stresses come along, it's really easy to just forget everything that happened. And so God tells them, take these 12 stones, create a memorial, and remember what I did here, so that even after generations have passed and your kids are like, they, they, they never experienced this, they'll see it and they'll go, why, why, why are there these stones here? And you can tell them, God moved in amazing ways. We wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, and he told us to step into the river, and when we did, it parted, and we walked through on dry ground. Don't forget. When the life change happens, when the transition happens, don't forget what God has done. I'm not a super sentimental person with, like, things and material things. Like, I'll throw away anything. I, honestly, I, don't, I just don't want clutter. But I do recognize the power of remembering. And so I do have some things on, on my shelf, in, in my office, and, and at home I've got a few things. Uh, I, I primarily remember through journaling. When I'm going through something big, it starts off with the journal entries that say, God help me. God carry me through this. And then once God has transitioned me, once God has, has answered and, and God has moved in, and sometimes that's been like a week, and sometimes that's been like years, and I still have a couple that I'm waiting on. But when that's done, I'm going to journal and I'm going to say, here's how God moved. And I can go back to those journal entries. When that new change hits, when that new stress hits, when that, when that new fear hits, I can go back to those and I go, that's who my God is. That's how my God worked before. That's how God worked in our lives before. That's how God answered. Like, we remember because we, we have to have these things. So I want to encourage you, have these things that you can remember because in those, you strengthen yourself. Through those, you can remind yourself of who God is. And the other thing that can be used is the thing you've got to know that God's work in you is not just for you. 
God works in all of our changes, not just for ourselves, but so that he can use us in the lives of other people. It's not just for you. I love how God works through difficult situations. This is the way he, he works good in all things for those who love him. Romans 8, 28. He, he works good because he uses what you've gone through to help other people. God can use you to speak into the life of someone who's going through a similar situation. For them, it's the first time they've never gone this way before. And God can use you and how he moved in your life to encourage them, to build them up. We've been through a lot of, lot of crazy things in our life. I remember uh, we've been through two miscarriages, which were very hard. The first one was, was surprising. And we had our church body all around us, and they loved on us, and they cared of us. And we, we got through that, and we recognized that God is faithful, and God is good. And, and our faith was strong, and we kept watch, walking with God. And, and then that second miscarriage happened. And we still had a church body who loved us and cared for us. But for me, I got angry. I mean, like, really angry. And it was, it was people who had gone through it before that were able to minister to me. It was people who had gone through two or more miscarriages that were able to speak to me and go, no, it's okay. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. You can keep walking with him. I had friends. I had this one friend. He was like, man, you're angry. You want to go get some of that? I've got a membership to a boxing place. We can go like punch some bags if you want. He was just a really good friend. He's like, let's just go be angry together. It's okay. Like, let's burn that out. It's okay. Like, I had someone who recognized, like, like, when you go through anger, it's not just like, oh, we'll just get over it. Like, you got to process it, and you got to do things, and you got to kind of get some of it out. And now, I look at that, and I look back at my life, and I go, God, is it possible that you can use me that same way? Can you use us that same way? If, if, we, if we meet someone who's going through a miscarriage, can we speak into their lives and go, no, God is faithful. No, God is good. Are you angry? I, I know how to get rid of some anger. I can help it. We'll go get a boxing membership somewhere. We'll go hit some bags. We can do that. It's okay. God will work in you and he will work through you. What you're going through and how God transitions you is not just for you. Don't forget how God has moved. Don't forget how God has answered you. And use that. Remember it and show others. All right, here we go. They've crossed. Chapter 5, on the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. This is the first time they've celebrated the Passover since they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In the, in the wilderness, they didn't, really, they, didn't, they didn't celebrate the Passover. But, but the thing that got them out of Egypt, now they're celebrating for the first time in the Promised Land. Verse 11, the day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. They had transitioned into the new. The manna, this miraculous food, that showed up every morning as they wandered through the wilderness. This, this, this like honey flavored bread type stuff that would just be there, that God just provided as a miracle to feed them over 40 years 
it was done because they had transitioned into the new. They'd embraced what God had for them and they, they clung to it. They, they, they said, okay, God, I'm gonna walk in what you have for me today. The change has happened. And God no longer needed to provide manna because they were now living off of the, the, the land that flows of milk and honey, the promised land. And what the Israelites recognized, what we have to recognize is they couldn't live on both sides of the river. They couldn't have the manna and eat from the land. You, 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 can't, you can't live in this place of, of hurt in your relationship and constantly bring it up and constantly be bitter and constantly be full of resentment and also have reconciliation. It doesn't work that way. You have to let go of the past and move forward into the future. The change happens and God wants us to transition. Here's what I want you to hear. Let go of the old and lean into the new. It matters what you cling to in the time of transition. It matters what you cling to. You must trust in Jesus to provide for you and be with you in your new way of life after the change. We're not simply just asking God, make the change go away. God, make it so that the change never happened. No, we, we, we let go of the past and we say, okay, God, this is new life and I'm gonna cling to you in this. So even though your loved one has passed, you cling to the God who gives joy and comfort. Even though the job is gone, you cling to the God who will provide for all your needs. Even though you have experienced major trauma, you cling to the God who will heal you and restore you by his grace. Cling to the new land, to the new. I like how Stephen Lennox said it. He wrote in a Bible commentary, he said, while the cessation of manna marked their arrival in Canaan, it did not mark the end of God's provision. He would continue to meet their needs, but in a different way. To obtain God's provision, however, they must now settle in the land. Manna had been food for a traveling people who inhabited the wilderness. Now that they are living in Canaan, they must either obediently press forward to conquer the land or starve. See, we must push forward in what God has for you on the other side of that life change. Embrace the new life. Let go of the old. Paul said it to the Philippians. He wrote this. I mean, talk about someone who experienced change and heartache. Here's Paul writing from jail, and he tells the Philippians, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. To transition, we must let go so that we can move forward. We forget the past. We remember what God is calling us to. See, here's the, the truth. You can't become a fully devoted husband if you keep a bachelor mentality. It doesn't work. You can't find financial freedom if you keep buying things on a credit card that you can't afford. You can't find reconciliation in your relationships if you keep bitterness and resentment in your heart. You can't walk in the new life that Jesus has for you, this fully devoted life, if you keep returning to the old sins. 
It's a transition that God wants to take you through. It's a river that God wants to take you through into the promised land, into a life of hope, into a new life with Jesus. And all you have to do is follow God's navigation. Walk obediently. And remember that he's working in and through you for the glory of his kingdom to be used in others' lives. Whatever you're transitioning through today, let go of the old and cling to what God has for you in this new season of life. Keep an open heart to what God is doing. Seek him out, draw near to him, and put your faith in God. He will do amazing things among you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. God, we thank you for seeing us. We thank you for hearing us. In all the change and the transition and the, and the circumstances and choices of life, God, you are right there with us. And we just, we put our faith and we put our trust in you. Maybe you're here today and you're going through a transition. You're going through a change in seasons in life and you recognize it's, it's time to, to let go of the old and to cling to the new. Or maybe you just recognize that you need to, you need to be obedient and follow God's path. And just say this prayer, God, I give myself to you. I surrender completely to your will in my life. God, take me on whatever path that you want me to go as we move into this new season of life. I trust you completely. I trust you completely. Maybe you're here and you've never, you've never put your faith in Jesus. And you recognize that, that the life you're living, the life separated from God, the, the life full of sin, is what you need to transition out of. And you're ready to make that decision today. Just say this prayer. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I need your grace. I give you my life entirely, completely, every aspect of it. And I put my faith in you. Wash me clean by your blood. I love you, Lord. God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.